Good morning. There we are. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. Takara, darling, if you can figure that out for me, that would be fabulous. I'm not really sure why, why it's doing that. Well, welcome to Coaching First Day. It's awesome. I want to tell you, this is kind of how it will go for the next 14 weeks as we start to coach. We will come together corporately, and we're going to do some things together to help you see the future that's before you. God doesn't bring us to a place like this and leave us. So there is a plan for you when you leave here. And that is really important that you see it. So many global school students in the past, and I'm talking in the past, okay, will give you testimonies and they will say things to you like, I went to global school and when I left, uh, nothing happened. Okay? Well, part of that reason is because Depending on how you see God, you're going to react when you leave here. For example, if you think that God does everything sovereignly, nothing will happen. Okay? He is a co-laboring God. He is a co-laboring God. Yes, there are things he does sovereignly. He does them for you. But what he asks is that you will do your part. And our part is to figure out what he's saying to us individually, and then how, how do we do that? The Lord has a way of breathing on your plans. In Deuteronomy, it says that God gives us um, the ability to create wealth. So he's the one who's going to make a way for you to be successful. And I don't want you to think of wealth as merely money. I want you to think of wealth as the fullness of your life. All right? How is your life going to be wealthy and whole from this point on? That's what we're going to talk about. Within in each and every one of you, you have something that stirs up in you and gets you excited about living. It doesn't always have to look like pastoring or preaching. Sometimes it's a marketplace, a business idea. Sometimes it is a small thing. You just want to be with a few people and love Jesus. And that's wonderful. Other people inside of you, God has put something in you that says, I'm going to go stand in front of thousands and say his name as loud as I can. I get that. You have a desire in you, and it probably looks different than the person sitting next to you. This first video is about five minutes. It's fun. But it's about someone who just decided to go do something that he loved. And he did. Where's my sound? Yeah. Yeah. It's the actual video of the car. The video. Oh, what's up? There we go. I got it. I hit the wrong one. Perfect. Thank you, darling.
Com. Yes. <laughs> so when you watch that, you have to be thinking, um, you know, how can how can a person go all the way around the world to all those cities and all those places and all he does is his little dance and how does that happen, right? Can you imagine what his family said to him? You can, can't you? Because some of you in this room have said, I want to do this, and your family looked at you. Like, why? Why do you want to do that, right? It's not even that you can't, it's the why, right? Why do you want to do that? Well, whatever you're dreaming, whatever your passion is, it is possible. And it actually brings life to you when you step into it. And you stop telling yourself that you can't do it or that it's not a valid thing. We don't know to what degree sponsors started getting behind Matt and when it happened. You'd have to watch some other interviews with him to get that whole story. But after a while, it caught on. And then people wanted him to come and dance. Did you notice how the very first few cities, he was all by himself, and then all of a sudden, people came along and jumped in? There are dreams in your life that you're going to do all by yourself. And when it catches on, other people will come. There's a story in, I think it's in Kings or Chronicles, one of them. And battles going on. You know those Old Testament stories of all the battles and wars. And the Israelites, they're losing but then something happens, and I won't go into the whole thing. You have to read it. It's chapters and chapters of Jonathan and David. But the battle changes. It shifts. And the Israelites begin to win. And the Bible says in one little verse, it says, The Israelites who were hiding in the caves came out. Sometimes the one thing you do will cause other people to come out. And then they want to be a part of what you're doing. But you can't, start, you can't start this journey of your dream and your plans and your goals thinking, I'll do it when I have other people. You might not. It might just be you for a little while. And then your vision catches on, and then other people want to know what you're doing. They want to know how to be part of what you're doing. The test in this is for us, do you really want to follow Jesus, even if it's all by yourself? Will you still do it? Will you still say yes to whatever dream is stirring inside you? Do you believe God will bless that dream, even if the world says there's no point in doing that? Will you still do it? See, these are things we have to decide ahead of time. Make a decision within ourselves, I'm going to do this even if it's by myself. I'm going to pursue this because it brings me life. I feel joy when I do it. And I know that God is blessing it. He's going to give me the ability to live a life that's wealthy, it's full, it's exciting. doesn't mean it's absent of problems or crisis. I don't want to make a statement that's going to lead you into thinking everything beautiful. You already know that's not true. But you can find a place where you're pursuing the dream inside you all the while the Lord is with you. So whatever comes towards you, you can deal with, you can handle, right? So all of you have a coaching book. And we're actually going to start on the second page, page two. A focused life.
All right, guys, here we go. All right. This is you. This is second year. You've come to the cliffs. And you're going to fly, right? This is the year that you figure out where does this take you. We know biblically very few stories in the Bible tell us that people go back. Very few. And if they do go back to something, it's usually um, in, within the story not a good thing. Almost always when God calls someone out or he leads them into something else, it takes them to a new land, a new position in life. It opens up a door for them somewhere else. So all of these things that we read about, we understand if that happened to them, it's probably going to happen to us. Your life from here on is going to look different. Even if you have the same uh, business, the same occupation, it's still going to look and feel different because you're different. You're different than when you came here. Something God has done in you has been... uh, it either has grown or it's become firmer. I remember when I came through the school, uh, someone prophesied this over me, and at first I thought, what are they talking about? But later I understood, because it actually happens to everybody. It was not really a word specific to me. I think it's a word of just what happens when you're here. And in that case, I was trying to figure out what this was all about. Why was I here? The word is this. God is removing your foundation because you let him. My confusion was, why did I let him? (laughs) Right? Everything under me was coming undone, and I'm thinking, why am I here? What is this all about? Things around me seem to be in crisis mode. So I couldn't figure that out. But I, I recognized later what happens is when we come here and we submit to the plans of the Lord and say, God, I want to go further with you than I've ever gone before, he begins to do something to your foundation. So it's not about a new belief system necessarily. It's not about a new occupation. It's about who you are. And that foundation sometimes gets firm or reinforced. And when it happens, you become different. So now you can go from here out, and what you discover is that Even if you do the same things, you are different. So you look at it differently. You react differently. There are things you will do now that are different than the way you would have done it two years ago. We're flying off the cliffs, taking flight. So our purpose here today is to get a focus so you can see your future. Now, the beautiful part about Jesus is he really only lets us see a few feet in front of us. And then he skips everything, and then he shows you the end game. (laughs) Right? Because you think, oh, here we go. Then it's all dark. But then in the dark, you see the end. And you're like, well, how do I get there? Right? How many of you have seen the Indiana Jones movie where he comes to the cliff And he doesn't see that there's actually a bridge there, right? It's one of those cool little moments the first time you see it. You're like, wow, that's pretty wild. I don't know if I have faith to walk something like that. It's a great movie moment of a faith walk. You can't always see what is actually in front of you. So you walk anyway. Those moments create focus for The more steps we take, the more we see what's going to happen. If you stand still and you do nothing, you're not going to see the next thing. That path most likely only lights up when you step. We know this from the Red Sea. The water did not part till they stepped in it. Did that get repeated at the Jordan River? Yes, it did. The water did not part until they stepped into it. There are moments you have to step in the water before the water will part. This focused life is what second year coaching is about, to help you see where you're going from here. Some of you are going to want to further your education. 
because you're going to realize you need seminary. You need Bible. Some of you are going to want to go on the mission field and serve with missionaries. Others in this room, you're going to feel like, I got to start this ministry that's been inside me this whole time. And I need to make it official. And I think I'm supposed to be licensed. So we're going to talk about all of those things over the next few months on Wednesday mornings discussing how people get a focused life. The beginning of it is a disciplined life. That's another word we could use, a disciplined life. We'll get into that in a moment. Where there is not vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law is happy. In Proverbs, we understand that if you cannot see where you're going, you become a wanderer. If you have no vision, you just wander about, and eventually you perish. You burn out. Your life isn't fruitful. But when we have a vision, we don't wander. We become fruitful, and that vision is what keeps us going so that we have life and hope and a future what Jeremiah was prophesying. On the first two pages, two and three, the focused life is when you can begin to see at least the next year of your life. We're not asking for that end goal only what do you see happening next year, one year from now? Where do you think you'll be? And you don't even have to answer how you think you'll get there. You just have to sort of understand that I can see past global school. If you can't see past global school, then that's something we got to work on all year. And I'm not worried about it. I've seen students go through this, start off the year where they had no idea what next And then they do within a few months. It start, God is so faithful. He'll start to really talk to you about your dreams. So we have some questions on page three. And as I go through them, you can take notes or fill things in. If there's something you can't answer today, just leave it blank for another time. But I'm going to try to give you some things to think about while you're answering some of these. Where I am in life and what I'm doing here. Do you know what you're doing here in this place? Do you know why God brought you to global school? If you do, we want you to write it in there. Now, I want you to know that coaches, we have four coaches this year, and they're all certified people either in life coaching or they're certified in uh, a skill set that helps you in your life see who you are. So Elaine Marks is certified in the core values inventory, which you took last year with Dr. Melody. But Elaine will come in and she'll give you the summary of it or the review of it. I have to tell you, her review is phenomenal. It's one of the clearest, most concise, and she does it in an hour. And it will really help you to not just remember what you learned in first year, but it will really help you see where you are right now. Shelly Donaldson is uh, certified in strength finders. Finding your top five strengths. What has God already enabled you to do? What ability has he given you? I'm going to go back to that verse in Deuteronomy. What ability has he given you to have a wealthy whole life, right? When she comes in, she's going to look at your strengths. She's going to help you understand who you are. These are all identity uh, messages, but they help us to see where our gifts and talents take us. All right? Um, I'm probably the least there, but I do rely a lot on the Holy Spirit uh, for wisdom, words of wisdom. So I, I love to sit down with people and see what God will say to them about the plans of their life. Bob Baynard is a life coach, but you know Bob from the bookstore, okay? But Bob is a life coach also, and he is happy to come in this year and coach as well. So the shared spreadsheet that you're choosing um, dates from, you could end up with any one of us, or you could have the same person all year, 
but it's a contact person for you to talk to about what's going on in this book. So please write in the book because they, they are going to read and see what you have in there and they might ask you things like, what did you put on this page? You know, can you share with me what you were, what you were thinking? As the year goes on, we'll fill in the whole book. And in between, you'll have private sessions with coaches where you can process one-on-one. -on -one. The rest of the time, we'll meet together and talk about things that I want you to think about in between your, your uh, coaching meetings, okay? So a focused life means you've got to be able to see at least the next step. The first thing, do you know why you're here? The second question, what activities give me the most joy and satisfaction? Does this have to be all the right answers, like the Jesus answer? No. What activities, just in life, bring you the most joy and satisfaction? See, this is directly connected to who you are, how you were designed by God. What brings you joy? What brings you joy? This is really breaking up here. When I, woke up, when I wake up in the morning, what do I look forward to? What is something that excites you when you wake up in the morning? What do you look forward to? Is it your job? Is it some activity that you love to get up and do first thing in the morning? What excites you when you get up? There's a reason people like to get up, and there's a reason they don't. And I want you to think about the times when you're like, okay, out of bed I go. Why? What is it that makes you want to do that? What is one thing I do each day to get closer to the ideal life? Okay, closer. That's all we're asking. Closer to your ideal life. What's the thing you do to get closer to that? All right? How are you going to do that? Everybody's got an ideal life. Everybody has a dream of what they think their life is going to look like or what they want their life to become. What's the one thing you do to get closer to that? Next question. If money did not exist, what would I do each day? Take all the money out of it. Okay. What would you do? What would you do every day? If money is not the thing you see standing in your way, what would you do? Now, a lot of people say, well, everybody's going to say travel. That's not true. I'm married to a man who his greatest dream would just let him stay home. <laughs> That's his great, like, just let me stay home. I'm really happy right here, my house, my home, my yard. That's where he's happy, right? So your dream, if you took the money out of it, honestly, is not going to be that thing that you think is special to you. It's not true for everybody. Simply not. So I want you to imagine, what would you do if it wasn't about finances? And the last question to ponder is, what in my day makes me feel drained? Oh, we all know this, right? What's the one thing you know has an effect on you that just makes you want to go take a nap or go to bed. I'm done. I've had it today. I'm going to bed, right? Everybody has something that drains them. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, we all have things that will just wipe us out, okay? So I'm going to give you a few minutes, fill these in, think it through, but if you don't really have an answer, skip that one, come back to it later.
Okay, you might not get all the way through, but at some point during your own quiet time, fill in what you're thinking about your life beyond here. Where are you? What are the things that you're already doing just one year ahead? What are you hoping for next year? If you turn the page, you're going to come to a dream list. Now, this is a 10-year, and that's why we call it a dream list, okay? Because a dream list means I can't really see it, but this is what I'm imagining 10 years, a decade from now, right? So is your dream to have little chickens in the backyard and a couple of goats and uh, a fabulous Bible study that runs a couple days a week? Uh, is your dream to go to Africa and live in the dirt and have a little hut and go out to villages? What is, <laughs> what, what do you see yourself doing? Now, I want you to stay and dream. I want you to dream 10 things that are not just ministry, okay? 10 thing you can list that are not just ministry, but it's your life. It's your whole life, right? Wholeness of God has to have a balance between the times that we minister and the times that we're just living life with people. All right? So your whole life, 24-7, can't be ministering to people 24-7. Um, even Jesus didn't do that. I mean, he, went, he often went off to be alone, and there were times when he was only like, I'm only going with the three of you. Come on. The rest of you stay here. I'll be back, right? So he, he understood the balance, and we have to understand the balance. You can't be 24-7 in ministry. So your dream list needs to involve family. Is, is marriage part of a dream list? Are children part of a dream list? Um, if you have a husband and children, are you dreaming that they go to college and they move out? What are you dreaming? Right? What are you dreaming? Mike. Yes, they should. Some of them. Yes, some of them should be ministry. Some of them should be your life. So I want you to dream about, uh, in, a, in a whole way, I want you to dream about all parts of your life. What do you dream about your finances? What do you dream about your home? Do you want to buy a little mobile home and drive across the country and just live different places? Do you want a house in a permanent spot? What are you dreaming? I'll give you a few minutes. Go ahead.
Okay, you might have only five. Uh, I'm going to guess you're about halfway. But uh, I do want you to think of ten. I want you to come up with ten things that encompass your whole life, your whole life, all of you, that you can list out ten things. Your coaches will want to know those. They'll want to see them. Um, but if you have just like two or three on your list that you know are like your top three, circle those. You know, circle the number. Circle. Oh, I really love number two. That's really my favorite right there. Circle those because those are the ones we really want to focus on because that's what you're identifying as maybe a priority over the others. All right? So there are questions to help us form what is a vision statement about our life. So we want to live on purpose. We want to know who we are and not have it based in an occupation. How many of you, because of the previous job you had before you came here, first year, part of what Jesus started shaking in your world was you are not your job, right? There was a time when the Lord said to me, stop telling people you're a teacher. I was like, oh, I have been a teacher. He's like, exactly, have been, okay? So occupations not, Whoa, hey, yeah. Occupations cannot be part of your identity. Occupations are what we do. Jobs are what we do. They are not who you are. The person you are w should be true about you if your job changed tomorrow. Okay? You would still be the same person. You are not who you are in a relationship. Oh, I'm a wife, I'm a husband, I'm a boyfriend, I'm a girlfriend. That's not who you are. Okay, that's called a role. That's not identity. Spouses, anybody who's ever done marriage counseling or had friends that poured their stuff out to you, you know the number one problem is identity. They have, a, they have an identity problem in their marriage, okay? Moms do this even with husbands. They become mothers, and then they turn on their husband, okay? Because moms can get really serious about their kids. And so then when dad does something, whoa, they're coming at him, right? Why? Because their identity is in mom. It's a role. It's how we identify things that we're doing, but it's not who we are, all right? So this vision statement has to be true about you, even if your whole world changed tomorrow. We want you to come to a place where you know who you are, what you're called to do, and it has nothing to do with a role, a job, or a title. None of those things identify you. They help other people to understand your role. That's all. That's all. But it's not who you are. So we have some questions to help you come to this. Page five. Who do you want to be? That sounds like an easy question, doesn't it? I can, I can hold the mic and say to you, oh, Danielle, who do you want to be? But actually, that's a really hard question. Right? It involves character traits. Who do you want to be? What character of a person do you want people to know you by? The Bible tells us who God is, gives us a whole character list. First, they tell, they tell us that, well, he has lots of names. That's a lot, one identity thing about him. Another is simply God is love. And then we have a whole other verse that tells us what love is. So there, then we know even more about God. But they're all character traits, aren't they? Who do you want to be? What character traits do you want people to know you by? That's who you are. Because that's what you'll carry. The fruit in your life will identify you. Okay? Fruit always identifies us. Number two. What are you motivated by? What causes your passion to rise up so that you can act? Uh, another way to say this would be what compels you to act, to do something? Uh, do friends compel you? Does peer pressure work for you? Healthy peer pressure work for you? 
What is a motivating factor in your life? Is family? Is God enough of a motivator? And we want to be honest about this because, honestly, sometimes God is not enough of a motivator until we get a deeper relationship with him. But when our relationship is kind of on the surface, it's hard sometimes to even let God motivate us because we still fight with him, right? We still battle with him whether or not we're going to do it. So you got to think, what motivates you? Some people have an internal motivation. Other people have an external motivation, which is yours. You could put as many as you can think of, because in different things, you might have different reasons. For example, if you're thinking, what makes me exercise? Okay? If I'm writing the answer to that, I'm going to need a friend, okay, to be my motivator. I don't have internal motivation to exercise. Nothing in me wants to do that. But externally, I can be motivated to do it, okay? What motivates you? Do you need people to motivate you? Or do you have an internal motivation for it? In other words, an internal one would be you have an internal reason why you're doing it, okay? I have a friend who loves to run. His wife said to him, I want to run like you do. How, <laughs> exactly. How do you do that every day? How do you get up and make yourself run? And he said, he says to her, well, I don't want to die. So that's an internal motivation, right? He, <laughs> he was internally motivated by this understanding that good health brings life. Okay, I don't have that, okay? I really need external people to help me work out and get me motivated, okay? You may not. I want you to think about that. What motivates you at work? What motivates you in your family? What are your motivations? The next question is pretty uh, deep as well. I know you might need more time to think about it. What does success look like to you? If you had to write a definition that you were going to live by, what would be your measure of success? Keep in mind this is how you're looking at it right now in your life. And however that is, that's a good answer. Because that's what's going to actually bring some motivation to you. The next one. Whose life do you plan um, on changing. So in this, in this question, we're thinking like, who do you see yourself uh, impacting, touching? Is there a people group? Is there an age group? Who do you really see yourself impacting? And the last one to think about, when you look back at the end of your life, what do you hope you accomplished? So this is a little self-reflection. If you could see the end of your life, what would you want to be the accomplishments that you had completed? When I was in college, I had a health class. And in the health class, they, they wanted us all to plan our own funerals. Morbid, right? And um, you had to have a budget, and you had to tell them all the things you were going to buy and how you were going to have your funeral, and then who was going to speak and what they were going to say about you. So I do this whole project, and I get a B on it, okay? And I'm thinking to myself, how do you have a B funeral? <laughs> right? Like, how does that happen? But I was amused, and I thought, well, that's interesting. What one person thinks is great, obviously someone else thinks is a B. So <laughs> what I'm saying to you, right, is like, think about your life. What do you consider accomplishments? Okay, I'm not worried if somebody else thinks it's not as a standard. I want you to think about how do you want people to know you at the end? What legacy do you plan to leave behind?
All right, so you may have questions to still do, but you're thinking. You're getting stuff on the page, and that's good. So what I have up here is really a sample of a vision statement, who you are and what is your purpose. So there are four things that I want you to consider when you're considering who you are. Okay, remember, no titles, no occupation, no role. It should be true about you all the time, no matter what job you're doing, what role you're in. So the my name is blank, I am passionate about, my focus is, and I want to. We picked four areas. And what you can do with that is you can write it. I'm going to have you actually skip over to page eight, OK? Page eight for a moment. And we're going to use these four areas, and I am going to ask one or two people to share yours. You're feeling really confident at the end, okay? My name is, I am passionate about, my focus is, and I want to. So as you can see, there's no job in here. There's no occupation. My sample is this. My name is Kathy Doral. I am passionate about Jesus and his bride. My focus is bringing people closer to the Lord in a more intimate relationship of love and loyalty to him. I want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit to draw others closer to the Lord as well as launch them into serving him well. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, that's easy for you to write, Kathy, because that's what you're doing right now, right? Guess what? I was doing this before I was doing this, okay? Even as a public school teacher, this was true about me. The teachers I worked with would say this about me. I had teachers that would come to me and say, will you pray about this? Because God probably listens to you more than he listens to me, right? Not true, but I will pray for you. I had students who on their report card where the comments came, uh, I didn't just write comments, I wrote prophetic words. Their parents didn't know, they didn't know, but at teacher parent meetings they would say, you really know my kid. Yeah, I really do. So does Jesus, right? So even in the public job I was doing, I was still pursuing the Lord, and I was still wanting to walk in the power of who he is so that people would know him. What I want you to do is to take these four prompts and write a vision statement that's true about you. Regardless of titles, roles, jobs, who are you? Yeah. Let's, you can start on page eight with that under life goals. We'll start with our vision statement. You want me to say, the, say them all again? The first one, my name is, I am passionate about, my focus is, and the last one, I want to.
If we have two brave people, come on up. Um, I wrote, my name is Drew Antonio Ramirez. I am passionate about the heart of the Father. My focus is going to the ends of the earth to make sure everyone knows they are loved by God. I want to be the lamp of God walking through darkness only to be the light. I want to love the people well and see God set the captives free. My name is Alfredia Victoria Flowers. I am passionate about knowing God better and being known by God. My focus is being able to help people encounter God and develop a closer relationship with God. I want to equip people to weather the storms of life from the place of victory. That's excellent. Can you hear in each one of those, there's no job, there's no occupation, there's no role, there's no I want to be a pastor, I want to be a missionary, none of that. It's just who they are. God will figure out the role. God will figure out the jobs in our lives because he will be the one that will provide those steps for you in the natural. But who you are should be true about you regardless of the season of life you're in. This vision statement is the one we want you to carry with you. Don't worry about occupations. Don't worry about roles or titles. Though they're important, because they often will give us access and authority, they are not who you are. You want to be the same person if God changes your role or he changes your job. And then we don't have to be in fear that we're going to have an identity crisis because we're not attaching our identity to the things we do. It's just who we are in him. This vision statement is one that we're going to talk a lot about. We're going to look at some of the key words that you put in it. For example, um, I noticed that Drew said, I want to go to the ends of the earth. Well, that requires travel. So that's a conversation he and I need to have, okay? And then we get really practical about it. But right now, the vision statement isn't how, you're, how it's going to happen. It's not how it's going to happen. It's just who you are, what you're made up of. And we're going to stop there today and then go back next Wednesday and talk about life goals and disciplining your life. Uh, so make sure you have your book with you next week as well. And I just want to pray for you before we take a break. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you do have plans for each and every one of us, and they are good plans plans to cause us to prosper, plans to cause us, Lord, to God, to have abundant lives. For each and every one in this class, Lord, I ask that you would pour into them vision, vision for their futures, vision for their lives. Lord, I pray that nothing that you have for them would remain hidden, but it would be seen. We ask you, Lord, in this season for dreams to direct steps. We ask you, God, for words of life. They bring confirmation. Lord, I thank you for each and every one that you've brought into second year, and I praise you, God, that you will launch them and send them forth as those that will do your good and perfect will. I thank you, Father, for this day, and I bless, I bless, I bless the lives in this room to be fruitful in every way. Amen. All right, let's take a break.